powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Thank you very much. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duval Nation, and welcome to The Derek Duval Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before we get into the episode, I want to give a huge shout out to my last guest, Danica Rockwood. She is a remarkable young woman, and I'm so glad her and I could have such a great conversation. If you have not had the chance to check out her episode, I encourage you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. Speaking of this episode, Welcome to episode 81. We have a very interesting episode for you folks, as we have on the show a man who is a great speaker and author. The man is Mike DiVicino. He is a former felon who was sentenced to three life sentences and was supposed to spend the rest of his life in prison. His remarkable story of how he was paroled, how he's adapted to a world that has completely changed since he was inside, will captivate you. So let's just go ahead and just get him on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from Las Vegas, Nevada, author and speaker, Mike DiVicino. Mike, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duval Show. How has the weather been out by you today? First of all, thank you for having me, Derek. The weather has been hot and blistering. We're at about 110 degrees where I am. So... I start my interviews off with the same question. How has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 world so far? Um, Interesting question to start with. Actually, for me personally, Derek, having just emerged shortly before the pandemic hit from long-term incarceration, the world was already moving at warp speed, going from being locked in a cage for decades to being in the the so-called free world. And the pandemic although I would not wish that upon any nation, it slowed things quite a bit for me. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like for you growing up? I personally was born in Las Vegas, Nevada, while the entirety of my family is from originally the East Coast. Growing up, I came from what I call an imperfect background. I found myself looking for the answers in the streets, if you will. So at what age would you say your life took a drastic turn that would lead to incarceration? Well, Derek, I I saw the inside of my first lockup facility at the age of 12. So I would say anywhere leading up to from approximately the age of 10 through 12. Mm -hmm. And that's how it started, uh, Derek, for me with the first look and see of, as I said, incarceration. Mm -hmm. So I've been reading, obviously, about your story, and I think it's absolutely fascinating. But one question I have to ask is, can you describe the feeling you get when a judge hands down not just a life sentence, but three? What what thoughts go in your head when you hear that? Wow, what a question. To go back to that time, and I've become, I don't know if I want to say a bit numb to that as I've moved on. I'm a guy that's always pretty much faced the music, as it were. When I heard the judge bang the gavel 
at that time, Derek, uh, pronouncing me to spend the rest of my natural life in a prison cell three times over plus. Probably shock and awe, Derek, would be the adjectives that I used. So what was the first week in Folsom Prison like for you? Regrettably, uh, prison had already, dare I say, become home for me. Mm. That was not my first time. I'm very saddened to say, um, far from it. And reflecting back upon what was the first week like for me in New Folsom, which was Max Max in Northern California. Boy, I hate to admit this, Derek, but at that time in my life, I was home. While serving your sentence, I read that you became an advocate for numerous prison programs. Can you tell us about some of them? Because I thought they were very fascinating. So, yeah, I, after me having just expressed to you that I found myself home at that time, there came a point over, I couldn't say the months, the first couple of years, Derek, to pinpoint where I realized I wanted to create and leave behind a much greater legacy than one of a trail of bad decisions leading up to that point in my life. And I began to educate myself. And accordingly, I began to lay out some prison programs that would benefit some of the youngest of the prison inmates at that time where I was, that would hopefully keep them from spending the rest of their natural lives as I as had been handed to me, Derek. And I laid out, for an example, what I titled Lifers for Change. I have dreams beyond these walls. And, and it's all there in the title, Derek, to not just embrace as I had when I first was sentenced, as I shared with you, to spend the rest of my natural life in a prison cell. I wanted to reach the others that I was surrounded by so they didn't end up serving the rest of their natural lives where I was. And there were some other prison programs as well that I created, such as The Last Chance, Point Man, and a couple of others. What would you say would be the overall success rate of those programs? Do you feel like they've, uh, are they still being used today in different in prison systems? Regrettably, Derek, the programs, one after the other, dominoed as some of the different administrators in the various institutions saw opportunity for themselves to self-promote, to seek to change the programs as I had written them, to monetize the programs that were in fact written, Derek, to save lives, quite literally. And the system had other ideas, Derek, and very unfortunately, the programs themselves fell into an abyss, as it were. So what were the circumstances that led to your release? Because I think that as well is incredible. First and foremost, I would say my ability to change in the face of all that adversity, my determination to overcome, my faith having all the support that I did, and then simply, quite simply, time. Mm -hmm. Decades had it eroded away, if you will, that which was built on sand. Mm -hmm. So my wife, she read your, your your bio, what have you, and she was fascinated as well about you. And she did have one question that she asked me to ask you. And it's, right. one day you're incarcerated, the next day you're released. What's the first thing you do when you're a free man? Oh, cry. <laughs> <laughs> cry. 
I have to tell you, and, and please share this with your wife, that certainly to say that it was overwhelming is an understatement. It was overwhelming at every level, Derek. Reflecting upon that very moment when I crossed that threshold, it was terrifying. It, it was a bit terrifying. After being so many years removed, what is that transition back into society like? What, what exactly does it entail? Wow. Of course, like anything else, it, it, it has certainly come with its challenges. But like us all as human beings, hopefully we don't get stuck on the challenges. We get stuck, as it were, on the result. We're looking for the solutions to things. How do we overcome the so-called obstacles? And there has been many. There's a real stigma, of course, that comes with being formally convicted, being a longtime prison inmate, et cetera, et cetera. And it's overcoming those stigmas. But I, I, I'm a firm believer, Derek, when we're determined to overcome whatever is placed in front of us for a better outcome, that resiliency is in each and every one of us. And I've been most fortunate where that's concerned. It's funny you touched on that because that leads into our next question. And that was, in your opinion, because obviously you've been on both sides of it now, what can society be doing better to help rehabilitated felons return to society? There's got to be, I don't know if you're familiar with any of the figures, and, and I'm probably a little outdated, but last time I was aware, there was 80 plus billion dollars annually being spent on incarceration and the prison industrial complex. And while prison is certainly a necessary evil, just as much money, in my opinion, Derek, needs to be allocated to the reformation, to reforming individuals, to helping them make the transition, to prepare them for, for trades where they can earn a real living, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like you hear about it all the time is, you know, when they come out of the prison system, they don't have the job skills they could have been learning in the system. They come in, they can't get a job at even a, what do you call it, a, a McDonald's. And so they turn back into old habits. And then, of course, it becomes a cycle and, and so forth. And that's a cycle that I feel like society, and it's not just in America, it's other countries as well, that they need to break. And it's, yes, you do have extremely dangerous people who deserve to be behind bars. That's that's just yes. silly to, to disagree with. Correct. But people who have like drug convictions or, you know, a, a minor assault or something like that, some of that stuff, you know, they're like, they're just like regular people they just made a, a simple mistake. And to have that on their record where they can't hold a federal job or they can't, you know, uh, work at a, a, a fast food restaurant, I feel that that is what's holding us back as a civilization, in my opinion. Now, when you consider that over 2 million people are incarcerated, I believe, at any given time, and again, my numbers may be a little off, Derek little antiquated, but over 2 million people at any given time that are incarcerated in this country, first, we, we touched upon stigma, and you, you elaborated upon that, upon being released. Mm -hmm. The allocation of monies for real reform and programs. I'm a huge advocate, Derek, that there needs to be more trades entered into the penal system throughout the country because so many are cycling in and out of there. If we can't get their attention, regrettably, while they're out here and now they're locked up, to introduce trades into, as I said, the various facilities throughout the country, you know, there's not a whole lot really going on in there. And the productivity that could be taking place versus the idolism, just mm -hmm. sitting idle, 
let's take advantage of the American dollars that are being spent, Derek. One of the things that I was going to bring up um, a little later in the interview, but I'll just do it now, is um, when I was in the military, we, I was in the Navy. We have I learned earlier on that the Marines will not take, say like you steal a car, okay. and you go for a judge just says you can go to the military, you can go to prison, take your choice. I learned that different branches don't allow that, but the Navy does. And we used to get kids coming in, most of them coming from Southern California, coming into the prison, into the Navy. You know, they've, they've got attitude and what have you. But with very rare exception, you put them into that into that environment and they thrive. And I feel like other branches could do that, especially for young offenders. Get them into the military. It, it shapes them up and they end up becoming productive citizens at the time at the end of their of their enlistment. At least that's might be my personal opinion. I can't speak for the general record, but yeah. I absolutely love that that take on that, Derek. And I would have to agree as a guy that began getting locked up at a young age, there has to be alternatives. And, and there's something that I was remiss in not mentioning, Derek, which is in this country, piggybacking off something you had you had mentioned a few minutes ago, addiction and now mental illness are being criminalized in this country exponentially. Mm -hmm. And that has got to stop yeah. because with the po prison population being what it is, and as I said, mental health issues and people with addiction problems, listen, we're treating the behavior. Yeah. yeah, we're not dealing with what's driving so many to that. We have to look at what's causing this and not just punish the cause, if you will. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break, but we'll be right back with the conclusion of this amazing interview. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink, take some super nice long deep breaths, you know, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Pay attention to two friends of the show, and we will be right back. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know. Murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine and Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Hi, my name is Michelle Fabre, and you can listen to my latest single, Kick It Up, on Spotify, Apple Music, and all other streaming platforms. I never had a feeling like this before. Let me in. Hey, baby, I'm coming to your door. And even though you're miles away, I can't wait. I'm gonna see you today.
In today's story, Elena tried taking a magic potion which she thought would help her. Well, she found out there aren't any magic potions. And you know what? There aren't any magic drugs either. Anytime you take one from anybody but your parents or your doctor, you're taking a very big chance. You're gambling with your health, maybe even your life. Drugs don't make your problems go away. They just create more. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it that you always talk all the time? I can't understand I why you voice is This is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are Mondo, some are just suck. Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 81 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to the episode with the conclusion of our interview with former felon turned speaker and writer, Mike DiVicino. So we are going to talk about Dear Joey in a little bit, but I, when I told my listeners that you were going to be on the show my inbox got bombarded, people asking questions. Now, I chose the most intelligent of them, and I hope it's okay if we ask them. Uh, they're pretty sure. simple. So first question is, and this is the one that I thought was very interesting. Have you seen the Shawshank Redemption, and do you put any stock into the idea of prisoners becoming institutionalized? Whoa. I did not see the show Shawshank, and that's a whole different thing where televisions are concerned yeah. in prisons, etc. I right. did, however, read the book many years ago inside, and to the listener who wrote in that question, institutionalization, and to anybody else that's listening, institutionalization, in fact, is very real. Okay. I deal with it to this day in some regards, and I've seen many 
many fall behind getting out of prison. The institutionalization has an iron grip on them and they go back because they're institutionalized. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, second question. This one is actually kind of an interesting one. Since you've been gone for so long, you've come back into society. What do you make of social media? Well, are you sure whoever that is that wrote that question and that you're ready for this answer? So go for it. Yeah. When I went away, there was no such thing as this thing called social media that I have immersed into this new world that is uh, so dominated, if you will, by technology, social media in particular. Mm-hmm. What I feel about that, Derek, and to whoever that is that had written that question in, social media, like anything else that has a platform, certainly has the ability to make a monumental difference in our society and perhaps abroad. From the little that I've seen thus far of it, that platform is not being utilized to its maximum potential, not even close. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like social media, to end this statement for now, is crippling more than it is helping. Mm. Because I see the younger generations in the short time that I've been out, the social media is in fact the ones that are now raising these kids. And in my opinion, not doing a very good job at it. We need different leaders to grab a hold of this podium, whoever they may be, teachers, parents, professional athletes, politicians, rap stars, whoever has the attention or an audience, Let's start utilizing this platform to its max capacity. All right. So this is an interesting question. Uh, What do movies get right and wrong about prison life? I can't so much answer that because I'm not a guy that immersed himself in the television. As I alluded to earlier in the program, I began uh, educating myself and there reading anything I could get my hands on. I actually forewent my television. It was used as a a control tool, if you will, inside the various prisons. And you become mindless. I think like anybody else that maybe loses themselves, not that it doesn't serve its purpose, of course. However, you could lose yourself in that medium as well. And I didn't want to be one of them. So I may not be the one to ask about (laughs) that, Derek. But if, if at another time or even today that could be elaborated upon, What's the difference between movie and real life prison? I'd be more than happy to answer that. Fair enough. This next question is a little serious. So uh, this one is, what is your opinion on for-profit prisons? Sadly, I'm not educated enough on the for-profit. And for those that are profiteers and profiting off the incarceration of the mostly undereducated, which a large portion of our prison population is, I'm not for it at all. Not for it at all. If someone's profiting off the backs of those coming from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, people of color being disproportionately imprisoned, et cetera, I'm not for it at all. Fair enough. Uh, This is the final fan question. That was, what was the one thing you missed the most while you were in prison? Well, the one thing, of course, my family, my loved ones. I used to think about the park a lot, the freedom to be, children's laughter. I missed that. The simple things out here that I feel so many take for granted are truly the things that I long for most. When you've been out now for so long, do you do any traveling? Do you go around and see America? Have you been overseas to you know, 
check out see what how far civilization has come in the last 30 years no i have not um derek i'm still on parole parole and there are still restrictions that go with that i however living right here in this microcosm that it that it may be i'm i'm living in fascination and gratitude every single day of my life so even though i physically i'm not able to yet go abroad in my mind and spirit, I'm traveling daily to the far awesome. reaches of the, the universe. Real, real stuff. I think that's only one of the perks of the internet where you can actually physically type it in and see it right there, I guess, if that's, if there is a positive to having such a thing, you know, so. Um, I want to talk to you about Dear Joey, because I read about that. What was the inspiration to create that? The inspiration for Dear Joey was actually when I first got arrested in 1990 for the last time. I was in my 20s. I was sentenced to serve six years at the time, Derek. And during that time, the woman that I was dating, we decided to get married because we could have what was called conjugal visits. For those listeners that are unaware, conjugal visit is for those who are legally married. There's a sort of trailer privacy, if you will, for your significant other. If you're incarcerated, they come inside, you get 24 hours, maybe 48 hours, you earn that privilege. And my wife was impregnated at the time with me having a release date of 1993. Oh, wow. During that time, I began getting indicted and it went from a release date of 1993, my son being born, to me never getting out of prison ever again. And my son, who, whose name is Giuseppe or Joey, he was actually the inspiration for the for the book series, Dear Joey, but Dear Joey is anybody. It's any kid, no matter what they look like, Joey is anybody and everybody. Tell us about your speaking engagements and the sort of lessons that you give. So I've been fortunate through NAMI of Southern Nevada, for one, to speak to groups of law enforcement officers in training. And I share a little bit of my background, my perspective, and the lessons for me in it are are often that we never know what somebody else so as law enforcement officers who have a very tough job and i'm a guy by the way that was raised that came up in the streets that didn't have a whole lot of respect for law authority unfortunately and uh i ended up going against the system etc cetera, etc cetera. and today i have the utmost for law enforcement authorities they don't have a very easy job at all and my hope is to share a perspective that you never know what background or home life someone is coming from. So please don't be so quick to beat down, to shoot, to tase, to club. The approach in, I've got a badge, I've got a gun. Let's not lose sight of why you signed up for, for this career. You're in a real position to help others. Please understand that not everybody comes from a, from a wonderful home life and let's let's be careful how we approach and treat others. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you for saying that. Absolutely. So uh, what's next for you? What do you got lined up? Um, I've been fighting Derek to get back inside adult and juvenile facilities. I wish to continue to spread a message of hope for those that have lost hope. Um, to speak to the families of those that are incarcerated. I'm also looking to get inside the schools with all the school violence now getting out of control. Mm -hmm. 
I have a team of individuals, Derek, that are waiting for me to break through to where I can get back into the facilities and middle schools or age appropriate schools where there are individuals like myself that lost their way when they were young. They paid heavy prices. They've been out here. They've turned their lives around. They're now law-abiding citizens. They've got it figured out. And they want to share their stories as well about in front of these school kids that are troubled, struggling, et cetera. If we could do it, so could you. And it's a diverse team so that others are seeing those on the team that look like they themselves. Everybody can relate to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Um, do you have a website or anything that people like can go to and learn more about you and what you're doing? It, that's been slow going. Um, I have been working on my very first website, which is Mikey D as for my last name, Divicino, Mikey D speaks.net. Okay. And again, it's in its infancy stages. This technology has been a bit of a challenge to say the least. Yeah, no question. But, uh, Working through it, persevering, um, and uh, there I have, of course, my email for anybody that might, any of your listeners that might have any questions. I'm, I'm more than open to fielding those questions. It's Mike D, as in Divine Visions, at gmail.com. Perfect, and we'll have that email address on our website as well. Perfect. I end my interviews with my favorite question, and the question is this. And I feel like you could answer this probably better than most. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth? Wow, that's powerful. Um, since my release from prison, um, Derek, I have seen this gap of the haves versus the have-nots, be it along political lines, race, ethnicity. I see that broadening not coming together, the divisiveness, etc. And whether anybody wants to admit this or not, we are all more alike than we are different. We need to start bridging that gap, everybody, fellow human beings, reach out to your fellow human being in light of any perceived differences. We are in very troubled times. There's an old, there's an old adage, united we stand, divided we fall, and people we are falling. Let's bridge that gap and reach out to your fellow human being and see what you could do to make a difference. Awesome. I love it. Mike, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, best of luck to you in your future. You. This is this is fantastic. Thank you, Derek. Work. And thank you so much for having me. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 81. I want to thank Mike again for taking the time to come on the show and speak with me. What an extraordinary tale from an extraordinary man, and I hope down the line we can check in with Mike again. By the time this episode drops, I will be two days away from leaving the United States on vacation. Now, please, Duval Nation, dry your eyes and don't get in such a state. I'll only be gone a few weeks. Also, I have lots of material scheduled to be released for when I'm gone, so you will be not without new content. Have you had a chance to check out our store on TeePublic? We have everything from magnets, stickers, and mugs, plus we have a carefully curated collection of t-shirts put together by myself and Mrs. Duvall. So be sure to go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, look on the banner on the left that says Merch, click that, 
and then you will be taken to our store on TeePublic. And we want to thank TeePublic again for being such great partners with us. On behalf of the entire team here at The Dirt Duval Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, be safe, be well, and do one random act of kindness this week. You'll be amazed how it makes you feel. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duval Show.